Coffee Sketch podcast is our take on the intersection of old tech and new tech, space between the traditional practice of the hand-drawn sketch that has been performed by architects and designers for centuries, and the modern use of the hashtag as a representation of sentiment or a movement. Each week, we plan to deliver a new pod about our ideas, sketches, and what's going on in our daily lives as we pursue our love of architecture, design, and sharing this knowledge with the next generation. I'm Kurt, and I'm in Flint. And I'm Jamie, and I'm in Austin. This is part two of my conversation with Kurt. ...in our lives, and uh, you know, some of it's anecdotal, and you're not sure what the influence is going to be. Um, mm-hmm. The... In my case, and I don't think this is something I've ever shared with you, um, but in between these two buildings being built, so in between Khan's work, which obviously was before uh, I even went to architecture school, um, and Ando's building being built, um, I had the opportunity to work in Dallas for a little while. And uh, through that, um, as a very you know young emerging professional, um, and sort of eager to, you know, uh, do the right thing in my firm and, and be involved in the community. Um, I had the opportunity to, um, what I refer to as my driving Mr. Liebskin moment. Um, so, um, Daniel Liebskin, um, who is, uh, a lot, you know, known to a lot of people now as, uh, architect of the Holocaust museum, uh, in Germany, but also um, master planner and kind of architect of the 9-11 site um, in New York City. Um, I had the opportunity to meet him in May of 2001. Um, so at that, oh, wow. at that point, um, he that was... That deserves an oh wow. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's an oh wow <laughs> for your brother. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, Charlie, that's, that one counts. Um, but the, in May, 2001, I had the opportunity, Daniel Leapskin was coming into Dallas, uh, as uh, a guest of the Dallas architecture forum and was giving a lecture in fair park, which is a beautiful art deco section of Dallas that a lot of folks don't know about. Um, and so I had the opportunity to pick him up at his hotel and drive him to that. Um, my, my boss at the time was, was very involved in the architecture community and, and asked me to do that as a favor and also a treat for me. Um, so that was great. So I, I drove him to the lecture and attended the lecture and had a great time. And, and, um, but he also asked me to the next morning, pick Daniel up, um, and drive him from Dallas to Fort Worth to have a private tour of the Kimball. Um, bef- hmm. and then drive him to DFW airport uh, so he could catch a flight. And at that point, I think he was going back to Germany. Um, but um, so, yeah, I did that. And, and that, that visit to the Kimball, um, you know, I'm sitting there driving Daniel Leapskin. He's riding shotgun. Um, <laughs> and we're talking about, you know, me and sort of what I'm doing as a, as a young professional, um, but then one of the things that was nice about that experience was he sort of shared, he said, well, you know, I, he apologized almost immediately after getting in the car and said, you know, at some point, you know, during our drive, I'm going to have to take a call 
and do a very, very short interview uh, for my museum in, uh, in Germany that's just about to open. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, right. <laughs> Um, because at that point it's, it's, it's going to open. And at that point, if you, if you recall the Holocaust museum in, in Berlin or excuse me, in, in Germany, um, was going to open and it opened originally empty. So the building opened empty and then they put the exhibits oh. in. So there was like several months where this, you know, because of the remarkable architecture, it was, you know, sort of like the architecture we're talking about in these sketches. And, right. uh, anyhow, so I got to basically on one side of that interview, um, which was entertaining in and of itself. But after the interview, he sort of, he said, Oh, and you know, I really wanted to go see the Kimball because I've been the Louis Kahn chair at university of Pennsylvania. And I feel really bad that I've never been to the Kimball. So I actually got to go to the Kimball with Daniel Liebskin on his first visit. And, <laughs> and that was, that is, kind of remarkable. Um, and yeah. you know, the, we, we met an architect there, Mark Gunderson, uh, who's, uh, for any Texas architects, um, they know who he is and he gave a, an amazing tour, but, um, Mark, me and, and Daniel, you know, met with the, the curator and, and walked the museum and got to see all the spaces, the secret library, um, the loading dock, you know, all the back mm-hmm. of house spaces and, um, but it was, it was certainly something like that, that you, you know, you, you, you never forget, obviously, but, um, all that happened, you know, uh, just a few months before nine 11. And after that right. sort of everything changed, you know, in, in all of our lives, but certainly in, in his life as an architect as well. So, um, uh, I, I, I'll never forget it. Right. I, I know that in May too, cause I've uh I've read and seen in multiple interviews and you know this is me trying to add to that amazing story which I have I can't even come close but so for those who've listened this long that was that's a pretty cool story and um I'm just kind of still shell shocked but uh yeah you know, I, I left that one I, out. Was, I left that one out of the 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 format notes for you so sorry <laughs> I uh um I followed that being from the East coast, I followed the nine 11, uh, rebuild and design all that stuff so closely. Cause I was, I, you know, I, I felt very, uh, familiar with the, the site and the space and, 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 you know, the, the intensity of that, everything, right. All the emotional. So I followed it. And then in, in doing so, I read a lot of things about, uh, Daniel Liebskin and uh, his book and a lot of interviews. And, and it's very interesting to think about as an architecture student, um, you know, if you're in school right now, or if you're just out of school um, for Jamie and I, you know, back in, in arts education period, um, you know, Daniel Liebskin like literally hadn't built anything. Well, and, and that, the Berlin that's, Museum. It, that's exactly right. I mean, that building was literally his first building. I mean, right. I mean, and and so yeah, that was the thing that was sort of awe inspiring to me was I'm sitting here listening to this guy, you know, in his interview where he's talking about his first built work. 
in my car <laughs> while I'm driving him from Dallas to Fort Worth. It was sort of ridiculous in my Ford Explorer. And yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that basically he's had, uh, I think it, I think, I don't know. I've heard this story, you know, once or twice. I think he said that opening day was actually nine eleven, or the day before something like that. And then nine eleven happens. And then, you know, all around the world, um, there's a security shutdown. So like it immediately closed. Because for security purposes, you know, all public buildings and things like that. And that, so that, 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 probably was, that probably was when they opened it with the exhibits in it because, um, oh, probably. because at the time that, I mean, and that was, that was the thing like that, you know, it, it was sort of when he got off the call, you know, um, and of course this time we're not talking Bluetooth or anything like that. This is like him on his cell phone in play, riding shotgun in my car, um, and he's sort of answering, oh, no, yes, it's it's amazing. It feels really good. You know, and you're just hearing one side of a conversation and he gets <laughs> off the phone and then he says, yeah, he's like, I'm sitting here talking about a building that has nothing in it. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, isn't that, you know, and, and, and at that point it was it was funny because you're you're also seeing some images of this building and it doesn't have anything in it. And it's still remarkable. And it was transformative at that point. But what you're talking about is exactly right, is that that day, um, whether, you know, whether it was that day or the day before or or that week, that's about the right time frame for that that museum to open with exhibits. And, uh, yeah, everything changed. I mean, everything changed, you know, for a lot of us. But as as architects, it certainly changed. Yeah. And. um, Yeah. so, you know, I guess the interesting connection here for me is that um, the Liebskin Museum is is uh, obviously with a very heavy, heavy subject as the Holocaust. Uh, is, it, it was intentionally very contemplative and uh, embedded with so much conceptual. So the spaces of the building and the, the floor plan, all of the, the, the forms, the, the shape of it, is embedded with meaning. So it wasn't it it, to, to a non-architect could be perceived as a very awkward and uh, convoluted sort of building shape. Um, So it's, it's intentional. And then there's, so it's a a intentional sort of discombobulation. (laughs) I can't think of anything else. And, and then, so, it, but it's very contemplative. And then I could imagine what it would be like um, empty, you know, and sort of em- emphasizing it and sort of heightening that that contemplative experience. Well, and, and then so. And, 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 and I think, yeah, and I was going to say, and, and that's, that's, I think that's the right word is that it's, um, you know, as a, you know, as a designer, as an architect, is, is how do you start to create, you know, um, a truly com- contemplative environment. You know, where, where do you find a, a space that um, religious or not, you know, we're not talking about sacred spaces for um, religious ceremonies because those have a certain connotation and meaning, but they, they figure into this discussion a little bit as well. But, you know, can you, can you make a space that really 
evokes those kind of contemplative moments. Um, and then to see it at that kind of scale. And that's the part that it, it's, it's one of his buildings that I've not been to, um, that I admit mm-hmm. that, um, it's hard for me. And I try, I had a professor once who said, I don't like to give criticism or, um, reaction to buildings. And he was a history historian and theorist and, and a registered architect as well, uh, and a mentor and a friend, but, um, he, he doesn't like to, he, he always said, I don't like to give like too much, um, you know, based on other people's opinions. And, you know, if I haven't been there myself, um, he reads them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you know, you, you have to be in the space. Architecture is not something that it's not a piece of art, um, that you just look at as, as one thing. Um, you know, a sketch is a sketch. I mean, that's different. And you can talk about it as a sketch uh, and you can talk about the goals of that, but, there's certainly other aspects of it. Um, and, and that was something I, I, I appreciated from him and learned from him. Um, and I, and I would say that, you know, in terms of that building from Liebskin, uh, in Germany, is it, that's one that is certainly on my list that I have not seen. That's probably number one or number two that I need to go see. Yeah. It, For that contemplative aspect. Back, but, I mean, you know, that's, I mean, that's what you, what, right. you, what you were kind of alluding to is right. Cause it's like, like, why do we like to go into chapel or religious spaces and sit and look at all the details, whether it's our religion or if even if we're not an, a religious person and we can appreciate the space that's created around something? Um, uh, and, uh, you know, that's a whole nother discussion I think we'll probably touch on a couple of times in this podcast. Um, but it's, but with that building in particular for him, it's like you're opening a museum and the, and a museum has exhibits. This museum opened with no exhibits. <laughs> I mean, that's right. just right. amazing to me. I mean, and, and not just for like a week, <laughs> they opened it with nothing in it for like several months. And that's just uh, uh, mind blowing. I mean, this is, and, and this is, you know, 20 years ago they did this. And and I don't even think at the time people really, I don't even think people really understood what that meant. And, and then, and cause this is, again, this is all pre nine 11 after nine 11, everything changed in terms of our perceptions of space and security and privacy and all these things naturally, of course, but you know, that building sort of happened at that time. And then, you know, before, and, and literally, like you said, it's his first building. I mean, and it took at that, I think it was a competition and he, it took him a decade to, you know, get it through. I mean, there was a, the reunification of Germany occurred during, <laughs> during the design and construction documents of this building. I mean, that's, right. that's crazy. Right. 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 And, and the dates, um, I believe this was probably, a all hand drawing, if not, if at, at best he probably used AutoCAD, right. you know, two dimensional right. CAD, two D, two D CAD for sure. I, yeah, the, these the drawings. Um, uh, I mean, that's another thing. Kind of, it kind of brings us back into the uh, the sketch. But um, and I'm you know, glad as a you. Student, I remember seeing. Yeah. Those, the I remember seeing a lot of the construction drawings for that museum as um in by hand right you know on vellum or mylar 
and you know, in, in magazines or, or books or, you know, things like that. And especially like you said, you know, going on through the time frame of, uh, um, the reunification of Germany and all of those things too. And, and, uh, it being, um, the late nineties. And so technology, you know, I, I, one thing I've been a huge fan of with, with, um, with Liebskind is his, uh, use of physical models in conjunction with his drawings. Um, but, uh, the sketch, right. So the, the building is kind of like a, a, a physical manifestation of a sketch. And I think a lot of Liebskin buildings are, uh, can be like that. And, and your sketch, um, has the same sort of pared down sensibility of, of, a of capturing the essence and the concept for the Ondo building. And, and, and if anybody is familiar with, uh, Liebskin work. So I'm going back and forth between the two, but there's so many interesting parallels. The, um, you know, Liebskin does a lot of drawings that aren't quote unquote buildings, but they're well, and it, it, it's more and, like and it's artwork sort of, and not even just than, artwork, than but it's become sort of buildings. A, it, I think it really ties back to his time, um, as a musician. Um, and so he's, you know, so I mean, he's a virtuoso you oh, know, yes. musician, and and really, that's how he emigrated to the U.S. was as a musician. Um, I think it was uh, actually uh, what was it the uh, what, uh, accordion <laughs> is what I remember it being the accordion. Yeah, is no, that's his right. Instrument, because I remember hearing him interviewed saying that Itzhak Perlman you know, the virtuoso violinist no, was his top competitor that's exactly, in New York. No, that's it, exactly yeah, right. People, so the, you know, he grew up in New York. This architect <laughs> of renowned and, uh, you know, you know, an illustrator in his own right and draftsman and drawer sketcher. Um, but he's also got this sort of musical mind. And I think that musical mind is what you're sort of alluding to in sort of these earlier sketches. And, you know, these sort of musical notes and, mm-hmm. and a lot of his early published work. I mean, a lot of architects today uh, of a generation will remember manifestos where people would sort of look at these pamphlet architects where they would publish these sort of interesting ideas about architecture and, and ideas and design and sketches. Um, you know, now because we have, you know, just Instagram, like which we're talking about with, with our, our podcast here. Um, you know, people sort of, you know, the, the confluence of, uh, multiple images and renderings and sketches and whatnot, you know, it's, it's out there for, for consumption. Um, you know, Leapskins of an age where you have this published work that's just sort of amazing. And what's interesting is it has this musical influence and, and of that, you have this first building born of that, which is this Holocaust museum. And for me, it was just amazing to, you know, listen to him talk about it, knowing sort of the history and, you know, a mismatched version as a student. Um, but, you know, as a designer and, you know, myself and, and listening to him as a designer talk about its process, you know, in interview and, and then later on looking back at that moment, it's like, wow, you know, this is, it's a seminal moment in his career 
But for me, it was also sort of a seminal moment in, in sort of looking at somebody somebody else's career and then and maybe how that influenced my own uh, as a as an architect and as a, a sketcher my, myself and, and, and what those sort of early ideas may or may not mean uh, as I move forward. Yeah, I, the uh, oh, I just was thinking about uh, Liebskin's. Oh, <laughs> not to change gears too much, but I was thinking of uh, you know back in those days, you know, before the internet, literally, and before Google and those things. Um, and I'm not trying it's to gonna date, happen. date us too much, but <laughs> but we. We only had, like you said, the pamphlets. We only had the, the the books to study. And so I think it's, for me, I used to go to the architecture library and sit there and, and stare at these, the drawings and the photographs of models if they weren't built buildings and stare at these things for hours and hours and hours and 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 almost like trace each line and edge you know, in my mind, close my eyes. I can, I can still visualize, you know, my favorite building from Leafskin was one he never built. Oh was yeah. The Victoria oh, and Albert yes. museum in London. And it's this sort of jagged spiral, um, that, that just seemed to stack in the, it looked like it was going to fall over, but it stacked in the best way. We did a graduate. We did a graduate studio on that project, and, and yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> and the texture of the the wall was going to be this sort of like fractal. So there it goes. You know, the math of fractal, but it's also kind of referencing the music too, because math and music have so, such a connection, you know, in, in, uh, in relationship to each other, right? There's so much mathematics in music and, you know, fractal geometry is a highly, you know, rhythmic, uh, um, mathematical, um, calculation. But I mean, but I mean, think, but I mean, but I mean, think about it. Like, I, or, I mean, like you're in, you're and in so, that library, yeah, you're drinking yeah. coffee, you're you're pouring over like books, you know, of these different architects that you admire and these sketches, and you know, and here we are today, where we're talking about sketches, and again, and you know, it's you know, fifteen twenty years in the future mm-hmm. from that point, and we're still talking about the sketch. We're still talking about that ability to be creative, reimagine space, reimagine an idea. And, um, and whether it's, you're sitting at a patio cafe and you're trying to convey an idea to somebody, or you're trying to work out some, some new notion of a project or a space or something, or maybe it's just something that you're seeing right there. Um, that's, that's still architecture. Mm -hmm. Um, and as much as, the, the other technologies may or may not change around us. I think that process, that, that mental process of evaluating space and um, is still inherent in, in our discipline. And, and it's a, 
you know, it's, it's not just that it's a skill. It's, it, I think it's just a, a way of looking at the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's, if, if there were, I mean, there's many things I think we taught in school, but I think one of the critical ones is how, uh, not to toot our own horn as architects, but I think one of the best things that I learned was how to see or perceive, um, not in such a grandiose way, but you, you know, you, you, you draw, you repeat these processes of drawing, model making, uh, site visits, you know, getting outside and just walking around and you, um, then you start to notice things differently. And I think, you know, hopefully our ability to talk about it together, um, can kind of bridge the, the concepts in your sketch that we're talking when we started and, um, Khan's work, which isn't even in the sketch and Liebsen's work was, which is not even in the same country <laughs> and how that, you know, the, there's a lot of visual, uh, dialogue or I can't think of the right word, you know, that marries and merges, um, the, the notions of architecture across these buildings. And, you know, one thing we'll probably want to talk about, there's, I don't know much about this, but I know in certain cases, uh, a, a sort of fun activity of mine is always to like, figure out if, if I like a certain architect, then I find out who he worked for, he or she, and then find out who that person worked for and go up or back up the, the family tree of firms and, and see, you know, the relationships. Well, and, and I think, so I think, you know, that would be a fun one. I think that's right. It's, and it's not even just the family tree of architects. It's sort of the, the architectural genealogy um, you know, and, and I think in, in Texas, we've, um, there's some Texas friends that I've, I've had that joke running about firms in Dallas. There's been several large firms in Dallas, head, headquartered in Dallas, multinational firms now, um, that have spawned, um, mid-sized firms, um, that in turn, those mid-sized firms spawned small firms. And so there's this sort of inherent genealogy of, um, of firms in in that respect of Texas architects, for for example, and I'm sure there's something very similar in in Michigan uh, as well as other places. But it's I, I think mm-hmm. what you're you're getting at is is the right idea is that as sort of architects who just really love architecture and really love sketching and design and talking about it and sort of sharing it with folks, and and I think that's really where a lot of this kind of comes from is. Um, you know, we like to enjoy that conversation over a drink or coffee and, um, and sit in a space and sort of discuss it and, or sit across from that space and discuss it and kind of hash it out and, and look at, um, oh, did you know that so-and-so was influenced by somebody else? And did they, did you know that their mentor was this individual or, um, and, and I think that those influences inherently, um, are present in their work. Um, but it's also something that I think influences our own work and our own thoughts about today. Um, 
just like we're talking about the things in our own lives, the anecdotes that sort of influence, you know, some of this discussion. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the idea of this, since this is one of our earliest uh, episodes, um, this really kind of is a representation of uh, the idea why we wanted to start. Yeah, no, this. no. I mean, I hope I, you. I, this is what that. I signed on for. I think it's it's sort you of you signed that, on for this um, <laughs> that to, like peering into uh, you know, and you and I've joked about this is that you know our discipline is one that you have you know. I don't know how many schools of architecture there are across the U S or internationally, but you know, effectively we we all have our very, very similar educations. Um, you know, we go through a very, very similar education model, but the difference is a, the time or the place or the people that we interact with, even our peers, not just the people being the professors. And I think those extra influences really, you know, have a, have a true impact on all that. And, um, you know, now we're sort of taking a step back and kind of peering back into the fold, um, you know, from two different spots in the U S and, you know, we've interacted on, you know, different things ourselves, but, mm-hmm. um, and, and then, you know, part of your, you know, provocation on this is sort of the technology aspect is, you know, a quick and dirty sketch in a sketchbook with a pencil or a pen or a Conte crayon or, you know, piece of charcoal, you know, versus um, a CAD program or Revit or SketchUp or 3D model or Photoshop or Adobe product or, you know, know, name your rendering package. Um, And, you know, what does that do is, is one better than the other is, um, you know, or is the story still the same? And I think that's something that we'll probably continue to explore. Thanks for your time. Thanks. I I think there was some good, some good stories from both of us on that one. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. We both hope that you enjoyed this episode of coffee sketch podcast. Our theme music is provided by my brother who goes by at Cold Fashioned on Instagram and Twitter. Our podcast is hosted at coffeesketch.buzzsprout.com. Find more show notes and information from this episode. And finally, if you like what you heard, please rate us on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you.